and gentlemen to the latest episode of Game Rivals. I am one of your hosts, Maximilian X, and as always, I have with you the God of War of Game Rivals, the man with the master plan who always knows the best stonks to buy. It's Sean Templar. How's it going, Sean? I'm uh, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very good. It's uh, it's 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 been a it's been a good start of the year, uh, gaming wise, and we've had we have a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, I, normally it's quiet, but suddenly this week has been filled with a lot of action. A lot of a lot of like un- unexpected things, right? But they mean. From the past two weeks that since, you know, the last episode, there's been a lot coming out that I don't think anybody expected to, like, hear or talk about or even think about or even speculate. But that's kind of a teaser for one of our stories. Um, so I guess let's jump right into it and uh, start with, I guess, the, the news that rocked the world, literally. Well, the world of finance. GameStop, um, as you guys know, uh, or don't, is a game gaming chain where they sell, you know, video games mostly. But these days, it's mostly Funko Pop and apparel and stuff like that, gaming related. Because, you know, most people are buying their games digitally. Like Sean Templar. And, well, they've not been doing so well for... What is it, about like five, ten years or so? Their stock has... The last five years, I think, they've been really having a, a difficulty. And they, I think one of the... They kind of got like a shot to the arm with Microsoft last year when they were kind of like announced as a partner for the Xbox All Access program that they would get a yeah. cut from all the Xboxes they sell and the, and the subscription fees. But um, besides that, it's, it's, oh, it's been like... A, Going downwards, uh, to put it that way. Yeah, I mean, it's been in a downward spiral, like you said. For I think, yeah, the best, the better half of five years now, and a lot of people have been basically saying it's over for GameStop, um, which is kind of sad because I don't know if they're outside of selling games at big box stores like Walmart and Target and stuff like that. There isn't a bespoke place to buy video games in the u.s um which is kind of sad and i mean even here we the only bespoke place that we have is uh game mania which operate in the netherlands and belgium yeah the funny thing there is as well is that for example last year they closed a bunch of stores and i i think those were franchise stores from what i understood which uh, one, the Game Mania or GameStop? Uh, the Game Mania. So, like, for example, I had a local Game Mania, and that one went away and turned into a waxing salon. So, um, that's something <laughs> completely else. <laughs> wow, that, that sucks. That's, like, a completely different destination. But, uh, you know, um, uh, the nearest for me would be uh, in Amsterdam, and that's just too far for me to go. It's not that I live too far from Amsterdam, but, like, it's, it's quite a hassle to get to Amsterdam for me just so mm-hmm. I can go to the, the game Mania. So, I mean, I automatically resort to buying stuff online because it's easier and convenient. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have a game Mania near me. Um, 
But even when that all was happening, even I went to my local gaming and I was like, please don't tell me you guys are closing. You're like the only place that actually not only sells video games, but actually employ people that know about video games. And they're like, well, we don't know either. It's all up to corporate. It's like, ah, gosh darn it. But luckily, it still stands and they still operate. Well, ish, you know, we're still in a lockdown for, for now um, in this country. But yeah, so that also, um, I mean, the fact that all these stores, not just Game, Game Mania closing, but also GameStop had a lot of their stores close and downsize and having people work ridiculous shifts without getting an increase in pay. Um, Didn't they have uh, the weird situation where they thought when the whole pandemic started that they thought they were essential retail so that, that they were allowed to stay open because they considered themselves essential? I think that happened last year, right? Yeah, that was last year. Oh, that was so bad. I think we actually talked about it on the we, podcast. We did, we did, uh, yeah. Ah, oh, that was so bad. That was also not a good look for them, but eventually they did close, and I think they went to uh, pickup only. So basically be, people order their stuff online, and they pick it up in the parking lot where the GameStop is and or the mall where the GameStop is. And they, I think two or so years ago, they they were trying to invest in eSports, e, e like being destinations for eSports events in their store, which... That sounds really horrible. Yeah. So they've been struggling a lot, and their stock price was really low. I mean, I think the lowest that it was this year before all this happened was it was, I think, at $17 a share, which is like nothing in like in like a stock market world. And, and I'm really kind of disappointed that I'm not a person that really frequents Reddit. But the uh, subreddit Wall Street Bets got a wind of a bunch of hedge funds trying to short sell the, the stocks for game for GameStop. And if you want to know more about that, there are plenty of other resources that talk about that way better than we ever could because we are not stockbrokers and we do not have the skilled not the skills. I thought you were a stockbroker because you played Animal Crossing and uh, there's a stock market in there as well. (laughs) The the, the stock market is something way more different and way more easier to manipulate because I mean, I guess it kind of works. It kind of works on the same level in a very basic sense, but no. no. I mean, you can't do something like what the, what the, what the I thought, your, uh, yeah. I thought your nickname was uh, the Wolf of Animal Crossing. Uh, what? Where the heck did that come from? <laughs> Haven't you seen the movie The Wolf of Wall Street? I've seen The Wolf of Wall Street, but I'm not that, man. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> ah, too bad. Uh, what? Too bad? That would mean I would be in jail right now. Jeez. No. I mean, like, <laughs> it doesn't always have to be bad. I mean, you could have the, the ingenuity to manipulate the Animal Crossing uh turnip market or whatever it's sold sure uh anyway um we don't have i don't have the capacity we don't have the capacity to explain how it works but basically this is what happened they tried to they essentially bet against gamestop that it would fail and the subreddit wall street bets mostly a bunch of 
20, 20 plus year olds um, that half of them, you know, actually do buy stocks off of, you know, those, those stock buying apps like Robinhood and in the Netherlands, you have Bucks. And they came together and like, well, we grew up with GameStop. We have nostalgic feelings for this store because we used to buy games there when we were kids. And we don't like to see it go down this way, being short sold just because a bunch of hedge funds wanted to make a quick buck off of GameStop's dying corpse. So they decided, you know what? The shares are cheap. Let's bind together and buy a whole bunch of shares and drive the stock price up, which they did. So it went from 17 bucks to over $300. At a certain point, it was actually even around $400 until uh, a, a couple of these apps like Robinhood decided, oh, this is not good. So we're going to stop the normal people from buying GameStop shares um, and a bunch of other shares because apparently GameStop was not the only one that they were doing this with. They were doing this for uh, the, the the movie chain uh, AMC, um, the Tootsie Roll company, which I honestly did not think that was a company. I thought it was part of a company's like portfolio, but no, Tootsie Roll is its own traded company like i have no idea what tootsie roll is they are a candy company that make tootsie pops and other stuff with the okay. name tootsie in it. i think they also tried to take a stake in silver like in the 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 resource silver that's what i read last year, night huh that is if that is true that's a new development because yeah at least at the point that i was keeping up with it it was those three and i think think another one i don't remember what that was but it wasn't silver so anyway um that basically has overnight saved gamestop as a company at least as a traded company how long they'll be able to do it nobody really knows the stock at this point in time as we're talking is at a little over 200 dollars. so it kind of dipped um it went up a bit again when robin hood allowed people to buy limited stocks, which still wasn't cool. And a lot of people got really up in arms about it, including politicians. They were like, well, you can't do that because that's market manipulation. And what they did was literally doing what every other hedge fund and broker and whatnot already does. Yeah, but so, I think if you take a, or maybe I'm wrong, but I think if you take a short in a company, mm -hmm. you, you basically don't say that you're doing it. So like you're trying to kind of flow, fly below the radar when you take a, a short position in a company. And then your basically your whole move is like a surprise attack. Nobody sees it coming. And at the end, they're like, holy crap, you made a lot of money off of it. But now the whole surprise element is gone. And that's, I think, how, how this practice is kind of being labeled as a, a dirty move, even though... Hedge funds have been doing it for for de for decades. I think for decades, for, but never. Yeah, but but now you don't have to be a hedge fund to do this, and now it's mm -hmm. kind of like a moral issue. Like, oh, but that's a really dirty move. Why would you do this? And and they're like, we've been doing this for forty, fifty years. How is it considered a dirty move now? Oh, now because Joe the plumber can do it as well, it's a dirty exactly. move. I yeah. mean, yeah, I I get that because I'm afraid 
that this will have even worse consequences for GameStop because the value the company has doesn't match the value it brings in because it keeps losing money. So eventually people are the, the people that took in a short position lost a lot of money because of these bad guys, because they kind of didn't see this coming. And a lot of shorts were sold. They were like, we need to get out because we're losing money on this. And nobody has the money or a lot of them don't have the money to wait until the market calms down and all the stocks go down. But what's going to happen in like weeks or maybe months is that that price of GameStop shares will go back down to $17 or in that range because they're not a profitable company or at least they weren't because they don't bring in that much of, of money. So it's basically like a dying retail model unless they can figure something out to keep people buying there. But I don't think they've been able to do that for the last few years. So it's more like uh, in Dutch, you have a word, it's called uitstel van executie, which is like uh, delaying the inevitable, which will be, we'll probably talk about GameStop in a couple of months and say that they went bankrupt because of this move. Yeah. I mean, that is a possibility. Uh, if, I really kind of hope that this gives them that little bit more time to come up with something that does allow them to make a profit, but who knows. But the only other thing that really, really ticks me off is that all these Wall Street fat cats and their friends on, you know, like CNBC and stuff like that are talking about regular people who are basically using the same system that they've been using for decades and then being like, they're the bad guys, which they're not because they're not trying to, you know, profit from a dying company in its, in its last throws, you know? Yeah. So, you know, so to me, that was, that, that's, that's really, that. this is a don't swear here. So I'm not going to say anything, <laughs> but it's a really not cool move. This is a sidetrack, but like I watched a documentary like a long, long time ago in which uh, a certain Wall Street investor, he's, he's a pretty known Wall Street investor or hedge fund manager. He took a short company. He took a short in a company he actually thought was bad. He said like, this is just a, a bad company because they are in the act of a pyramid scheme. They kind of con their their customers out of their money or they they, they let people participate in this pyramid scheme and they promise them the world. But in the end, these people lose their savings, lose their houses because they're constantly throwing money at it, but they're seeing no return. So he eventually said like, I just, I don't believe this company can survive this long. So he took in a short against the company. Um, I don't know in the documentary and never showed, I don't know if his short worked or not, but like in, in these situations, I'd say like, okay, that is one good use because you simply just want to destroy the company or take it down because they're harming a lot of lives, which mm -hmm. is still disputable if, if, if the, the method you're using it. But like the way he did it, I'm like, this is more, this looks like a Robin Hood move. I don't think a, pe a lot of people would have issues with his move if the company did go belly up. Yeah. I mean, that sounds, I mean, the, the effort is, sounds noble. Um, but like you said, the method eh, maybe could have been a bit better. But at the same time, it's like, okay, um, if it's a bad company that's, you know, hurting people's livelihoods, then it's probably good that they don't exist anymore so that they can't do it anymore. 
Yeah. But I guess time will tell because it's still alive. It's still a life story till this day. And that's crazy. Normally stuff like this done by a bunch of people that basically meme half the time in their Reddit posts would have gotten bored by, I don't know, a week and moved on to the next thing. But no, they're still going surprisingly strong. And a whole bunch of people are actually doing good with the money that they made off of this. A whole bunch of people made a whole bunch of donations to mostly um, kids' hospitals, you know, children's hospitals, um, research hospitals, by donating either the money to those hospitals or buying stuff for children's wards in hospitals. Like this dude bought a whole bunch of Nintendo Switches for a children's ward in one hospital, in his local hospital. Another one donated like a bunch of money to the the Saint, uh, oh, dang, I know what to call again. Saint Saint John's or John Hopkins. John, uh, John Hopkins. They, uh, yeah, someone also did donate some money to John Hopkins, but also to, um, not John Hopkins. It's it, it's a children's hospital. I forget. People tend to like do like charity runs for that specific children's hospital because it's a research hospital that treats children with terminal illness. Um, dang it. St. Jude's. Thank you. St. Jude's. So, yeah, I mean, people are doing cool stuff with the money. It's not just that they're hoarding it for themselves. I mean, sure, some people um, did some stuff for themselves. Some people bought out their parents' debts because these are also, again, imagine, these are also the same people whose parents were hit the hardest during the recession back in 2008. So they still remember that and they still have the debt. So they were using that money to also cancel their parents' debts that they had accumulated from 2008. Oh, that's nice. So that's really cool. Um, again, we'll, time will tell how long this is going to last and what kind of effect it's going to have on the markets. But they exposed Wall Street for what it is. And honestly, I think that's pretty cool. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know if people forgot what Wall Street pulled in 2008. I'm uh, pretty sure they did. Yeah, but like the tricky part with these things is, is and, and I think you're you're kind of treading into a political territory, which we never tread into. But I don't. I think that there aren't a lot of laws in the states, and maybe if we're wrong, people should correct us, that, they, that don't regulate what Wall Street can and cannot do. Because I, I don't think a lot of laws were introduced after 2008 to kind of make sure that it never happens again. Basically, they have like free reign. So they'll always come up with schemes to, well, I wouldn't say schemes, but they'll always co- try to find ways to make more money because that's basically the, the the reason Wall Street exists, to make more money. It, there, there's never going to be enough money. So, yeah, the tricky part with these things is, is this, it will go on and until either more regulations are put in place or... Another crisis happens, or I don't know. Yeah. I, again, like I said, time will tell. I have I have no idea how this is going to play out for anybody. So, yeah. I mean, I guess I guess we'll see. Um, like you said, we don't really get into the politics of things. Um, that is not our intention. But sometimes these things do come up. Um, and I do feel, at the very least, we should acknowledge that it is a thing. So, yeah, that's at least that story. Um, 
we also have a bunch of other stories that just popped up in literally the last couple of days. Uh, especially this one. This one actually dropped today, not the day that you're hearing this episode, but the day before. <laughs> Very confusing. Um, but Mass Effect, uh, the Mass Effect collection got a date. It did. It's coming out May 14th, which is in less than, a little bit over two months now. Three months? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We're three months. Really yeah, now. it's three months. Yeah, three months. Yeah. And it's um, one, two, three, and all the DLCs that came out for it. Uh, they're not doing a next-gen version. They're just doing Xbox One, PS4, and PC. Um, but it has it runs at 4K, I think. I, I, thought, I thought I read 4K with uh, upgraded textures and stuff like that. Um, and the games are playable through backwards compatibility. Um, I personally am super excited because I always love the Mass Effect games. I finished the first one. I finished the second one. I didn't finish the third one because I heard a lot of issues with the ending and that kind of put me off. Um, but it's been years since I played this game. So I'm really, really excited to play it. And I know a couple of other people who just... I, I, sent, I sent a message to a friend of mine. And he went crazy because he's like, he's he's played Mass Effect for, I think he's finished those games maybe 10 times. He just do, does these runs. It just goes back to it. And another person I spoke to on Instagram, I told her and she was like, yeah, she's like the, the biggest Mass Effect fan I know. So she's like completely happy. I'm like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, I think this, this game has been in production for quite some time. This collection has been in production for quite some time, which... Is probably one of the reasons why it's not coming to next gen. Uh, but you're right; it is running. Uh, will be playable in 4K Ultra HD with HDR. Basically, if you have an Xbox, you know, uh, One X or PlayStation Five, uh, PlayStation Four Pro, it'll run on that. I'm happy to see that they, yeah, and I'm happy to see that they put the effort into it, that it's not a quick uh, cash-in, that they just up-res some stuff here, or they, I don't know, it's really good to see that they're putting the effort and the time into it. I wonder if, like, I think Mass Effect 2 and 3 won't have a lot of issues. I wonder how 1 will be, because Mass Effect 1 hasn't aged well. Uh, It was that really traditional Mass Effect game where you had these RPG, you had to spec into certain areas. For example, gun sway was a thing. So the more you spec into a certain scale, the less your gun would sway. Um, that, that, that really felt like a traditional RPG. Whereas, for example, in Mass Effect 2, it quickly took the action RPG route and it took away with those things. And it, it really felt like a completely different game. So I'm afraid that it, one hasn't aged well. And if people go back to one, they're like, oh, wow. I totally forgot this was like this. Or if first-time players go back to it, they'll be like, what is this? I I mean, yeah, assuming that there's... I don't think they'll change the RPG engine that they use for it, or at least the RPG routines that they use for it. But considering that they were using a heavily modded Unreal Engine at the time, Unreal Engine 3 even, at the time when they were making one, I think with one with the first game they may have done it from the ground up. Could be. And I'm kind of hoping that they did it from the ground up because that game was also not the most stable thing in the world. At least not on um console. I played it cuz I played it I played all versions on PC. I also didn't finish 3, but that had more to do with me getting distracted with other games and also 
the whole thing about the the ending. But by the time I got it, the ending was changed. And now the changed or the extended ending is now officially canon. Oh, Um, that's nice. What I'm, yes, I'm reading this here on IGN. So, yeah, extended cut ending is part of the canon in the legacy, the legendary edition. So, you know, yay for altering endings <laughs> you know i think I, it's one of the few times that a developer actually brought out a different ending for the game and i i mean like i would have never done it i would have said like this is just a vision we have for the game we're just going to stick by it because you know in, in the end it didn't work it didn't have a bigger effect but it kind of created this precedent for other games that if the community makes a big issue out of it that developers might be forced to change endings i mean like Imagine that they did this to The Last of Us too. That they changed it because the whole community was in uproar about it. How would you change that ending? Oh, I can think of a lot of ways. I mean, outside we can't of... go into it because it's spoiler territory. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, out- I mean, outside of going back in time and changing it, then I don't see how you can after the game has come out that you would change it in any meaningful way to make it work. That's what But that's the same thing they did for Mass Effect. They brought out a free update. Yeah, I don't know what the original ending is, so I have no idea I, um, I'm what not was sh- so bad about it. I'm not sure, but I think the original ending was that it was all a dream for a little kid that woke up. I'm not sure, because I haven't finished it, and I don't want to know. I'm going to look this up later. Yeah, I'm not going to look it up because I actually want to finish them all again and find out what it was. But I think, because I asked a friend of mine and he said like, yeah, it was all a dream. And I'm like, what? Uh, yeah, I can't understand why people were in, yeah, we, we, gonna, yeah, why they picked up their pitchforks and just like, we're ready to burn down Bioware. I'm going to have to look it up because that looks crazy. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure, but that's what I heard at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I hope that's not true. Um, so, I don't know if you heard about this a while ago. Um, this has been a couple of years ago back. But there was a rumor that there was a live-action Legend of Zelda series being made for in, com- in, uh, in association with Netflix, Nintendo. I did not know. So, apparently that was true. Yay! Because the project was canceled. Oh, that sucks. And they were also apparently working on a, um, a Fantastic Mr. Fox-like Claymation uh, Star Fox series, which nice. also got canceled. That sucks. That does suck, because you know why it got canceled? Or at least the Zelda one got canceled? Probably because somebody couldn't keep his mouth shut. Exactly, because the rumor started and it was traced back to someone who actually works at Netflix... And Nintendo got very nervous about it and just like pulled the plug on everything. But like I, I just told, I, I said this before, but why didn't they just either deny it or not acknowledge it and just pretend it does? Like the same with the Switch Pro. They're like, we're not working on anything. We, we know they're not working on something, but they're like, we're not working on anything. No, but I think it's different. In this case, they were doing a partnership that they haven't done before. And they were assuming that people are consummate professionals <laughs> <laughs> sorry no i mean it's it's nice that there are still companies out there that 
think that everybody in the industry are consummate professionals and they wouldn't do something like leak information about a project that was still in the works that we don't even know how far the Zelda project got. We also don't know how far, I mean, we know a little bit more about how far the, 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 Star Fox. the Star Fox one got because they were actually working with Miyamoto and the team behind it was the team that's behind the College Humor YouTube channel. Oh, I know those. Yeah, so they were in working alongside Nintendo on making this happen for Netflix. And then one of the dudes working on that project heard that there was a Zelda project with Netflix and that it was canceled because of a leak from someone who worked at Netflix. And then shortly thereafter, you heard from his boss that their project is also canceled. Oh, that really sucks. Yeah, so thank you, guy who leaked the fact that there was something going on at Netflix with Nintendo. Now we'll never know what they were working on. A vibe? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, we still have um, the theme park to look forward to, even though that got delayed indefinitely, and the movie that's being done in cooperation with Illumination Studio. I'm just really... I mean, Sony's doing the same thing. Sony has said that they're working on multiple... Uh, PlayStation IPs, movies or, or series based on PlayStation IP. And the Uncharted movie got pushed to 2022. I don't know if we discussed this last time, but it got pushed by a whole year. I think it got announced like last week. So. Yeah, so that that's like, it got pushed. And then they also pushed James Bond, for example. Ugh. But like, um, I can't understand that they push it because of they want to have the biggest openings in movie theaters because they're still closed all over the place here as well but i can rarely think of a a game that was turned into a movie that's actually good because you have to deal with that fans have certain expectations or that they have the movie in their head and you have to match that image and you can never match everybody's image i mean um I personally thought the Assassin's Creed movie was okay, but a lot of people hated that movie. <laughs> I still have to watch it. I heard it's on Netflix, but yeah, I have to take some time to watch that one. I heard from another person that it's good, so I'm like, yeah, but I also heard people really, really hated that but, movie. But so. that's the problem. Like, like I cannot imagine, and that's the tricky part with games, is that there's a Metal Gear movie in development. It's been it's been in development for I think since two thousand eight because then Sony announced that they had acquired the rights for the movie, um, yeah. and it's been like what thirteen years and we still don't have a movie. And I mean, people have so I mean, it, it what it shouldn't be such a difficult movie to make because the story is actually pretty basic. You know, dude infiltrates a secret base, needs to free people, rescue people, fight against a walking battle tank, and he saves the day. It's not like a complex story. Why is it taking 13 years to make this movie? Well, I think because a lot of the uh, directors just hopped off. They're like, I'm not going to do this because they kind of know if I mess this up, I will be, I will be threatened. I will be hunted down. People are, are too passionate. I mean, look at what the, I mean, uh, the, do you remember the time that in, I think it was during the PS2 era that this German director called Uwe Boll made oh, no. all those horrible game movies. And I think, that traumatized people. He just literally destroyed certain franchises for people. And I think people are, are really haunted by that because he wouldn't yeah. stop. He just kept on making them. Yeah, but do you know why he did it, though? I have no idea. 
because it was a tax write-off in Germany. To make movies or to make crappy game movies? No, no, to make movies. Like, there's this weird subsidy loophole in Germany, or at least at the time, um, that he was basically exploiting, which allowed him to make these movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, but I, don't know, I never understood why studios would sell the rights to, hit, to their games to him if they're like... For example, if you make a crappy movie about a game and then you come up to me and you say, hey, man, I know you have the MGS rights. Do you want to sell them to me so I can turn it into a movie? And I look you up and I find out you made the worst Nintendo, the worst Mario movie ever. I'm like, hey, man, thanks for the offer, but I'm going to pass. Uh, I don't want to sell my uh, rights to you because you'll probably make it the worst MGS movie ever. See, I don't think they do that. I don't think they do research on what the director did. That's why... We see all these horrible adaptations of video game movies, anime movies, adapted into a Hollywood movie. <laughs> Ghost in the Shell. Um, but, yeah. uh, I mean, oh, good grief. Don't don't even get me started on Dragon Ball Evolution. That pizza turd. I have no idea. Oh, which that movie does not exist for me. Yeah, it doesn't exist for me either. I mean, and I, I'm honest because, for example... Uh, the Last of Us TV show is being developed. It's being developed by the people that worked on Chernobyl, which is one of the best TV shows ever. Neil Druckmann is working on the movie as well, so or on this TV show as well. So, like, you on paper, it sounds like a really good combination. You know, people that worked on this super amazing, uh, real life inspired TV show, and the the creative mind behind The Last of Us himself. But still, at the end of the day, I mean. I still don't know if they're going to be able to pull it off, even though it sounds great on paper. Yeah, I don't know either, man. At the at the end, it's great that he's involved, but I think he's involved on a producer level. So that means the studio still has like the final say in the cutting room floor. And I think he's also writing along with it as a writer. Yeah, but, but like but I said, still, editing. yeah, yeah, <laughs> editing can mess up a person's story a lot. Look at uh, Justice League. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. But then again, we're getting a four-hour movie instead. Yeah, that's maybe. Over. I saw a meme yesterday. It was really funny. It said like, "Oh wow, this is the first time the movie got a parody before the actual movie came out." <laughs> it made me laugh pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I do not want to see this movie. Like, I, I'm. I'm completely awesome. People like. They've they've um, ruined the whole Snyder Cut thing by repeating it into oblivion and memeing it into oblivion that yeah. I honestly stopped completely caring about the Justice League like DC like movie franchise. Give me the Batman movies. Give me the DC animated movies. Those are awesome, depending on which movie that you watch. Um, but they are consistently good quality animated movies. Yeah. Zack Snyder has not done great stuff for DC's movie franchises. Just saying. That's my opinion. I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> oh, good grief. Do watch out, or Gizmo might uh, jump you from out of the darkness and uh, do something to you. He's a big uh, Snyder fan. I don't know. Because he's a big DC fan. Okay, I get that you're a big DC fan, but if you're a big... You know what? Actually, scrap that. If you're a big DC fan, you should be upset about how Zack Snyder has been treating your, your favorite characters. Outside of the whole, you know, Justice League thing. 
Yeah. I mean, like with Man of Steel, for example, when I watched it the first time, I didn't like it. But when I went back later and watched it the second time, I actually did like it. Really? Why? I don't know. It's the same with Star Wars The Last Jedi. I mean, this is funny because if Robin's listening, he'll know. Robin loves The Last Jedi. I don't like The Last Jedi. We've had numerous discussions about why I don't like the movie. But Robin always has this really nice way to justify why it's a great movie. And then he watches all these documentaries. He's like, you need to read this. You need to watch this. He's just like really trying to convince me. I'm still like, I don't like the movie. But like when I first came out, when I went to The Last Jedi first time, when I I watched it, I was like, whoa, this is so awesome. Wow. But that's because it's your first impression. You're like fresh out of the movies. You've seen all that cool stuff. And then eventually you start to reflect on it. You start to think about it. You're like, but I didn't like this part. Why was that like that way? And why did they do it? And then I watched it the second time. And at that moment, I'm like, yeah, this is the worst movie. I really don't like this movie. I mean, like the part where Luke Skywalker force farts away of a stone when his life Mm -hmm. ends. was like, wow, he just vanished into thin air. That's like such an epic way to die. Not... But, you know... Um, the same thing happened to Yoda. It's different. It's different. Because it's, it's your Yoda. I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, like we've been talking about movies now for a whole time. Maybe we should call it movie <laughs> rivals instead of game rivals. <laughs> That's still nerd stuff. It, it, yeah. It, it'll pass the mustard. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, we still have a lot of new stuff to talk about. So sit tight and we'll be right back after this. Back with the second part of the news, and we're just gonna continue right ahead on to the next article, which is an old friend of ours. We haven't talked about them in a bit, um, but yeah, um, our old friends at Google Stadia. <laughs> uh, remember that? Remember how we used to like really talk about those guys? I. Um... I uh, I regret the fact that we did it because oh, I, we I haven't don't. been kind to Stadia. Justifiably so, though. Yeah. <laughs> because, so remember when they first announced Stadia and they brought on Jay Dreamond to be the head of their first-party studios? Yeah, Jay Dreamond out of the job now. Well, she probably found another one, and we'll hear about it soon. But uh, she left, and the whole Stadia first-party development studio has been shut down as well. Yep. So it's not like she's been fired or something, but... No, but that was two years well-wasted. Oh, wait, no, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I think 
I think the effort was was valiant, but the problem here is is that when a tech company comes in and says, "Hey, we're going to be a disruptor in the gaming space," and um, you kind of how shall I say this? You have to understand what you're trying to do. It's not like ju- it's not like on- the the building the tech is not the only part of making your service work. And that's the thing we're seeing now where, where Stadia is struggling uh, really hard is that there are not enough games on Stadia to, to make the hit I think they had hoped it to be. And uh, partially you can offset that by having your own first party, but that is still underestimating it. I mean, building up first parties and building up first party support is a, is a process that takes years. If you give up after two years, yeah then your intention is wrong because then you probably thought, oh, we can just quickly go into this market, throw out some games. Those games will probably be hits. We'll make a lot of money and that'll be the start for our amazing new division called Stadia. And I think because they underestimated the situation, they're shutting it down now and just focusing on getting games on their platform and the experience. Yeah. I mean, the the sad thing is, is that we didn't even get to see what they were working on. They release a few smaller titles, I think, but nothing big. I mean, they, yeah, but they didn't develop anything. They published stuff that was first party, but they didn't develop stuff like from their studios. They didn't release anything that the studio had made. At least, yeah, I'm pretty sure they didn't release anything from the studio itself. Um. I don't know for sure, but I know that they had some pretty ambitious ideas for some games. But yeah, they never were able to deliver on it. Yeah. And that is... I don't know. Here's the thing with um, Google, right? Because they tend to do this a lot. A lot. They start really gung-ho with a new project and they're all in... And then like a year or two later, you don't hear a thing about it anymore. A very good example, of course, is Google+, Plus, which they forced upon the YouTube viewing community as this is now how you're going to be commenting on videos on YouTube by using your Google Plus account, which was so bad. And people hated it so much that they had to just destroy it essentially but at the same time it had that really stupid effect of just ruining a bunch of features of youtube so for example you can't dm people anymore on youtube anymore i didn't even know you could yeah you could back in the day you were able to dm people on youtube it was that was the only way to interact with your community outside of comments but if you want to do that now, then you just have to use another social platform, I guess? Yeah, or email. Wow. Fun times, huh? Or, you know, comment in the comment section. But if you're a popular YouTuber and you get like a bunch of comments, how are you going to sift through it all, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know what the heck went wrong there. But, uh, yeah, it kind of ruined that stuff. So, yeah, rest in peace, uh, Google Stadia First Party Studios, man. We didn't know you at all. (laughs) I honestly hope that they do turn it around and they make something out of it. 
There is one positive, Fabio. What you can consider a positive. And it is? The tools that they had for the studio, they are now going to allow developers to use them as well. Oh, that's nice. I don't know if it's a licensing thing that they're doing, that they're thinking of doing, but it, it, that is a step in the good direction because I think that is also partially a bottleneck. They do have tools for developers to use because um, they essentially have to make the games compatible with Stadia. Mm-hmm. It's not like GeForce now where you're renting a, you know, a top of the line PC on in the cloud to run your games off of, which are installed because they're just PC games. These games have to be retrofitted into working on Stadia. So if there's more stuff that they could do, then I think that's great, you know? Um, if, if there's more stuff that they could do with getting Stadia to be a bit more interesting on Stadia, then I'm all for it. Because the technology is pretty cool. And we said so, at least we acknowledge that with Stadia, that the technology is really cool. Like, you click on a game, boots right up. No, Like, if you have a good connection, there's, like, no, virtually no lag. Works surprisingly well. I think but, uh, <laughs> Cyberpunk was one of the few games that actually ran amazing on Stadia. Yeah, and apparently, I don't, I'm not 100% sure because I haven't played Cyberpunk on Stadia, and I haven't seen any footage of it yet is that it's based off the console versions. Is so, it? I thought it was the uh, PC version. That's what I thought. So I'm not 100% sure what that is. If there's anybody out there who has played the Stadia version, please let us know because we don't know if it's running based off the PC version or based off the console version. Because if it's based on the console version, that means that you have a lot less like AI traffic going on and maybe not the best visual fidelity but at least it runs stable I'm i think not really it, 100% sure I, on that. I think it was also that it looked pretty on stadia yeah so that's why that's why i assumed that it was um uh yeah that it was the, the pc version that it's based off of i think it would make more sense right to do the yeah. pc version oh um, IGN actually does have uh, like 21 minutes of gameplay of uh, Cyberpunk running on Stadia, so I'll check it out later oh. and see if there's like a difference between that and um, running it on PC. I still really want to play it on PC, but uh, I'll wait until the patches are out, at least for that. But if they can provide more tools so that people's games run better on Stadia... Yo, I'm more for it, man. I'm all for it. I don't want to see it fail. I want to see it succeed in a way that makes sense, which I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, people are investing in this platform, you know, not just big developers, but smaller developers too. And I don't want them to fail just because Google couldn't get their act together. So, Yeah. I hope they uh, they manage to pull it off because I do think this is the future of gaming that we're heading towards. I mean, after this console generation, I think we have one more left and then it's basically over. Oh, that's what people keep saying. We'll see. Yeah, but like, I mean, if people said that five or ten years ago, I would have said, okay, but the technology isn't there yet. We're not, we don't have 
internet that's fast enough or we don't have uh, an internet infrastructure that that's capable of handling it with data centers and all that but now i would say i mean like it, it shows that if there's a digital edition of the ps5 and an xbox series s that is only based around digital and that um i mean I think if we get a next console cycle, I think it might be even all digital because um, people are buying more and more online because it's more convenient. Well, it will be if GameStop folds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I, I think, I mean, it's the same with with when, uh, when certain uh, computers or laptops would lose the disk drive. People would make a huge issue out of it. Like, no, the disk drive, blah, 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 blah. Like, but how, how often do you use it? Uh, yeah. And then they would just be silent because they were actually thinking, oh, wow, I actually haven't used the disk drive in years. So like, okay, but is this really a, an, an issue because you don't use your disk drive? So it's more like the idea that you have no disk drive, but you'll never miss it because you basically haven't used it for years. Or is it that you're actually using it? Because it doesn't sound like you're using it. Mm. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, mean, I guess time will tell and we will know more uh, five years or so from now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. I don't know, man. Like, how's, how's the PlayStation 5? Actually, no, that's a really lousy question because it's still early in the system's life and there are <laughs> a lot of games out, so I'm like, no, that's not a good question. I'll ask you this again in 12 months. Okay. Because I think it's a lot more fair to give the systems time to breathe, which they don't have right now because it's literally been out for two months. No, the issue is, is that besides like a pandemic making game development tricky, the issue is also that there is such a there's so much demand for these things that they just cannot meet supply. And I think in in I think if there's one console that we're going to see earlier become available in stock on store shelves, it'll be the Xbox Series X. But that's purely because of and I I mean this has nothing to do with with fanboyism or whatever. But this is just I think a fact is just that the interest for the Xbox Series X is considerably lower than a PS5. I think a lot of people want a PS5 and less people want a Series X because I, I, I'm, I we, we had this conversation a while back that, I mean, I saw the, there was a shipment of Xbox Series Xs again in, in the Netherlands. And there are websites that I frequently check out also for they sell stuff secondhand. You know, sometimes you just find some cool stuff in there. And I saw a load of Xbox Series Xs up there and they were all priced at $549, $599 maybe 649 but if the people that did that they knew like i'm never gonna get this so like people would price their console maybe a hundred euros above msrp and then you would see two weeks later or now for example there's another wave of ps5s in in the netherlands another shipment i've seen a lot of come through also in the uk and spain and italy and today in france so like there are shipments again in in the netherlands and in europe and like people are selling it for 800, 900. Even Zagal was crazy enough to ask 1600 euros for it. I laughed because I thought like, you're never going to get that. But there are people that ask eight, 900 euros for it and they get it because people simply want it. And AMD has said, we're really tight. 
with supply. We don't have a, an issue. We only ha we have an issue for both our own CPUs, both the Xbox CPUs and the PlayStation CPU. So like Sony in this in this case, I don't think it's an issue that Sony or Microsoft can't make enough. It's simply that they don't have the parts to make enough. And but and they and AMD has said in the second half of this year we will have ample supply ready. So maybe hopefully for Christmas people have will have a lot more people will have a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Xbox has been mostly big in the US. So yeah. it's way more interesting to see how it's going to sell there versus how it's going to sell here in Europe, for example, or in, in Japan. And um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's... Like all these things is just a wait and see approach at this point because you don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen except that scalpers are never going to relent now that they know they can do this. I read an article that scalpers were able to earn 43 million off of scalping and selling. And I mean, that is not just surprised. Insane. Yeah. I mean, that's just insane. I mean, I hope in, in, in the UK, they're thinking about coming, uh, coming out with a regulation and legislation for scalping. I honestly hope other countries do that as well, because you're literally depriving someone else of a, of, of of happiness, people get happy. I mean, when I got my PS5, I was happy. I mean, I was <laughs> happy like, as a clam. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I was so happy, and I mean, like, do you want to have that on your consciousness that you're deriving somebody of that and that you're ripping them off for twice the price? And they could say, "Well, it's just good business." No, it's not good, just good business. And I know, like, people have said, but they've done this with sneakers for years. But with sneakers, I'd say, yeah, but those are just a limited run. They just make, for example, 200 sneakers, and that's it. With this, this is ongoing. They will make millions of it. Yeah. Yeah, as long as this is going to keep up, as long as the, the pandemic is going on and making things a lot harder to do, I think we're, we're going to see scalpers profit from this for the foreseeable future. You know, until everything goes to something that resembles normality and there's enough stock to go around. I think that when they hit the point where there's enough stock to go around, when most of the um, demand has been met and people buying it after the fact are basically people are just waiting for a specific game, then you're going to see scalpers lose interest in the gaming market and go back to their sneakers. I mean, like... If, for example, Nintendo does release a new console this year and supply, and it'll be, in the, and if they get in the same position as the, the Xbox and the PS5 launch, those will also be scalped. And, I, and I'm afraid those be, will be scalped even worse. Well, the president of Nintendo actually, like, I think yesterday or so, during an investors meeting was like, yeah, we don't have anything to announce about a new system anytime soon. Um, so I don't, if there's something coming this year, I don't think we're going to hear about it anytime soon. And if the whole, you know, chip shortage is, is going to be a thing, I'm pretty sure Nintendo as caution, as cautionist, cautionistic of a company that it is, they're isn't not it, going to. Isn't it cautionary? Thank you. Cautionary. <laughs> <laughs> cautionistic. <laughs> I was trying to think of the word I can come up. With. I heard someone use the word "unshy" today. They said, "Like I was shy, but then I became unshy." And then they, the person said, "Like is that a word?" I'm like, I think you just made it a word. 
<laughs> Unshy. Oh, um, that's a good one. Yeah. Maybe someday I'll can use that. <laughs> I hear by unshy you speak. <laughs> oh, good grief. Um, yeah, so yeah, President Furukawa of Nintendo, yeah, says anytime there's not going to be anything anytime soon. I'm assuming this also would factor in with the chip shortage because, you know, that's just the way Nintendo rolls. They're not going to do something if they're not absolutely sure about it, with the exception of the Wii U. Um, and heck, even in a recent interview that Reggie Fizeme had, even he admitted pretty much that the Switch was a make-or-break moment for Nintendo. Like, if this didn't pan out, we don't know what Nintendo would have done after that. You think? Yeah, that At least that's according to Reggie. Okay. So, yeah. I mean, if, uh, if the Reginator is at least at a point where he's allowed to talk about stuff like this in this way, um, I at least have to think that it's mostly true. To what extent, again, I have no idea. Um, I'm pretty sure he knows more about it than anybody of us would. And, yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about. I mean, I kind of knew that the Switch probably would be a make-or-break thing for them because the Wii, U, the Wii U really did not do well, which is a shame because there are a lot of great games that came out for it. Most of them now on Switch, but some of them still not. Looking at you, Xenoblade X. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, at this point, they're doing well. The Switch has sold almost 80 million. I'm pretty sure it's past 80 million by now. So it's going strong. It surpassed the 3DS in its lifetime sales. And the 3DS was on the market for almost a decade. Holy crap. So, yeah, that's a big that's a big deal. The only other Nintendo systems that are in front of it are the Nintendo DS, the Game Boy, the Game Boy Advance, and the Wii. The Wii sold over 100 million, right? Yep. The DS sold over 100 and I think 25 million, like 125 plus or something. I think it was a little bit more. Um, so. By the way, I was talking about the, um, the shortages. I'm just mm-hmm. seeing an article that says that Microsoft has said that they're expecting the shortages to last until June. Uh, which website was that? Uh, tweakers. Ah, Tweakers. So for, uh, for, the, for, for the Dutch speaking crowd, uh, tweakers.net. It's a English, uh, it's a, or based on an, uh, an American article posted by the New York Times. Ah, okay. So yeah. behind a paywall. Thanks, Tweakers, for uh, paying for that <laughs> and reporting on it for us. Yeah. So, I mean, like, the, here's your proof that it's going to take a while. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to hear Sony cop to that uh, anytime soon. I think Microsoft has been way more open in that in that sentiment. Um, but not every company apparently was that open, at least until we found out about it recently. Uh, Amazon, uh, also a company that has pretty much nothing to do with video games, stepped into the video games arena and thought, hey, we can do that, and then brought out two really mediocre games, one so bad that they had to 
cancel it or not even cancel it. They had to retract the video game and then cancel it. Yeah. <laughs> In Crucible. Crazy. Oh, that is so sad. Yep. Oh, man. But yeah, apparently um, Amazon, who recently started their beta with uh, Amazon Luna, um, yeah, their game studio is also not not doing so hot and apparently they also are suffering from bro culture gosh darn it that's a stupid word um yeah i'm not a fan of that word yeah with mismanagement and canceled projects aligned so um this is coming from ign uh where they uh where they have an article up on it uh from uh, extensive reporting from bloomberg which if it's from Bloomberg, my money is on that. It's probably uh, uh, what's his name again? Jason Schreier. Yeah, it's probably Jason Schreier. I don't know honestly. Mm. Uh, and I tried to go there and paywall Bloomberg. Thank you, Bloomberg. Um. So yeah, it's yeah. So apparently, there's a whole bunch of mismanagement going on in the Amazon game studios. Uh, like the the Grand Tour game, uh, was removed from storefronts within a year of its release. So wow, that's actually I didn't even hear about that one. So the two games that they retracted, fantastic. I didn't even know there was a Grand Tour game. To be honest. Yeah, the Grand Tour game, like, hey, that, I, even that is like a weird concept. Except, kind of weird, but also kind of not because it's cars. So it kind of makes sense to have a video game based on cars. But uh, yeah, why base it on the Grand Tour? No idea. Because they have the rights to the Grand Tour, and it's a TV show that Amazon owns. Yeah, I guess they wanted to do like some cross media promotion stuff. Probably. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, two games that basically had to be retracted. Uh, one at least had a year on the market, and the other didn't even get it... Didn't even get past open beta, which is really sad. Um, yeah, wow, they spent like five... Five, five million? Sorry. Five hundred million. Year, uh, dollars a year operating the game division for that. Excellent. Um, yeah. I don't know what... I, I, I mean, it's like what you said with Stadia, right? Companies getting into things that they have no real business into getting into and assuming that, oh, we can just throw like a bunch of money at this and it'll work out, which... That is literally not how anything works ever, except maybe the stock market. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but I, I don't know. And also not being able to manage their their uh, employees, which, uh, yeah, well, it is Amazon. So, you know, the less we talk about that, the better, because otherwise we're just going to go off in another tangent on how they mismanage that. So it's it's not surprising to hear this. It is surprising that it took so long for it to come out, in my opinion, because the, those developers have been working for what is it now? Four years now. I think like Amazon Game Studios has been in existence for at least like half a decade. 
I think some yeah something like that. And don't forget, they also bought High um, High Res Studios, the guys that did the Killer Instinct remake. Yep. So, I mean, that was a culture that already existed. So I don't know if that studio, yeah, that studio specifically, is not mentioned here. This they tend to be talking about the studios that Amazon set up themselves, not the ones that they acquired. Again, yeah, that. Actually, it sounds like it makes complete and total sense that that was a thing. So, yeah. Um, do we have any other news articles? Uh, I think we had a few. God of War got a PS4 patch for the PS5 uh, today. Yeah. Um, have, are you going to check it out? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been, I only played God of War when it originally came out. And um, I, I loved it at the time. And I've been wanting to jump back into it. So I, and it's part of the PlayStation Plus collection. And so I thought like, hey, you know what? I might as well just play the game again. It's uh, the patch makes sure that the game, it aims to achieve 60 FPS with 4K checkerboard rendering. Um, no. Isn't that basically how it runs on the PlayStation 4 Pro? Yeah, but I think there it's uh, 30, 30 FPS. Yeah, 30 FPS and... Uh, um, I think that the base resolution will be higher to get it to checkerboard, so it'll probably look better. We'll probably see some comparison videos pop up over the days. Um, so that came out today, out of the blue. They announced it yesterday, which is really cool. Um, I think another article was that uh, MLB The Show, which is a baseball game made by Sony, they have the rights to it. Basically, one of the few MLB games, and it's they always it always gets great reviews because it's probably the best one out there. Um, the game is coming to the Xbox Series S and X besides the PS4 and the PS5, which is kind of like a what? Because a Sony game is coming to another console. We shouldn't forget that Minecraft also came to the PlayStation, which is basically a Microsoft. So. Yeah, but it came to the PlayStation before it was bought by Microsoft. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought it was after the, uh, the buy. Now, that was for a Nintendo. That was for Nintendo Switch and Wii U. Mm. Like so, when Microsoft bought Mojang and bought Minecraft, I think that was around the time, like a little ways after it. That's when they announced the Wii U version and the 3DS version. Yeah, 3DS has Minecraft. Wow. Yeah, like crazy, right? Because it was, I think, a year before the Switch was announced. Okay. So yeah, and it's out on Switch, and they're still running the old version of Minecraft. They're, they weren't brought into the whole Bedrock version. Mm. That one runs on Switch. So they don't have these cool things outside of the teams that they made beforehand. Okay. Yeah. But it, this, is a, this is pretty big. I mean, we already knew that it was going to come to multiple platforms starting this year because the MLB demanded it. Yeah, it was part of the licensing if they could only have the license if they brought it to other platforms. Yeah, I think they were... I'm pretty sure that MLB The Show is really popular, except that if you're selling it on literally only one platform, you're not seeing the numbers that you probably want to see. That's and, why I wonder... We had this discussion around Indiana Jones, so I wonder yeah. if Indiana Jones will stick to one console. Yeah, I think... I don't think so. I think it's going to come to multiple consoles, but I was, I mean, we talked about it, of course, and 
I said at that point that like we talked about it in the last episode as well that these kind of conversations take years you know to finally have both country uh, country companies <laughs> um cross the t's and dot the i's right so if these conversations have been going on for let's say two years and they bethesda or at least zenimax was in talks with microsoft for like three years I don't think that they would have mentioned any of these plans to either parties until everything was settled. So I don't think that um, it's going to remain on Xbox. I think it's going to be multi-platform. Okay. At least it's eventually going to be multi-platform. I think what they're going to do is try and renegotiate some stuff so that it's a timed exclusive. But I don't think it's going to be as bad as, say, for example, with um, Rise of Tomb Raider. Remember that one? That was like a year, I a think. A year. Yep. That is crazy. Nobody does a year except Microsoft, apparently. Well, they said that Final Fantasy VII Remake has an exclusivity of a year, and it's almost up, and now there's speculation that it might come to PC as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. They did have an exclusivity on PlayStation for a year. Yeah. I'm assuming that at the very least it's going to come to PC um, and probably also Xbox then. I honestly don't know. Probably but... make it a part of Game Pass. I wouldn't uh, be surprised if Microsoft ponied up the dough because they have the money. Because their yeah. earnings call came in and they made, despite the fact that they spent almost $6 billion on Bethesda and Zenimax, they still made a profit last year of over forty-seven billion. With yeah, a B. That's uh And now it makes and now it kind of makes sense as to why they were able to make that deal because they are making money hand over fist, not just from Xbox, but from other stuff that they do. I'm a, I'm sure that their business at least the business division of uh the HoloLens yeah. got like a lot of deals from businesses because they were able to have like virtual stuff in HoloLens. I would not be surprised. Uh, yeah, I mean, like that's the benefit of having being a company like Microsoft that basically sells hardware, uh, software mainly, and that their software is used really widely, like Azure and, and Windows and Office. These are all like billion dollar. I'll call them franchises. And the thing with Sony, for example, is is that PlayStation is Sony's most profitable division. Their whole strategy has been restructured and, and focused around PlayStation the last few years. And I mean, yeah, Sony makes a lot of money off of other things as well, such as selling camera modules to smartphone manufacturers. But that'll probably be peanuts compared to uh, uh, selling you a console because... They sell you like a game which is seventy bucks. They probably have a bigger margin on that game than they have on a on a camera module, for example, or on a TV. Yeah, that's yeah, probably true. the reason why they can't do those big acquisitions like Bethesda does. Uh, so Microsoft does. Exactly, which also brings back the whole thing that Microsoft is still not done. They're still apparently shopping around for buying another company. I Nobody think the next one is Square, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be Square. I, I'm going to be so depressed if it's Square. It's I'm going to be so depressed if it's Sega. I'm it's going to be, be the, the, Jap the next acquisition is not a Western acquisition. It, it's going to be a Japanese acquisition because 
they want to get a foothold in Japan. That's so not going to work. So it'll be Konami or Square or uh, maybe Sega. Yeah, last I checked, Square was downsizing and now they've congealed all their development studios into one. So, um, yeah, I don't think Konami cares about video games anymore, but we know that they haven't cared about video games anymore for years now. And it's just sad to see stuff like this happen. Basically, since Kojima left. Yeah, and I think that if you're going to stop making video games, at the very least, you know, sell your IPs to a company that's going to treat it right. Um, not saying that Microsoft wouldn't come, wouldn't treat it right or Xbox Studios wouldn't treat it right, but I don't want to be forced into buying an Xbox. <laughs> I really don't. You had an Xbox 360. Yeah, but I was forced into that one too. Oh wow! <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, I mean, it's not like I didn't have any fun with my Xbox 360. I mean, thanks to that, I discovered the Elder Scrolls franchise. I um, discovered, uh, well, not Halo. I knew Halo before, but. You know, there are at least some games that are exclusive to Xbox that didn't come anywhere else that I did enjoy when I had an Xbox 360. I still own my Xbox 360, but that puppy has not been booted up in at least a decade. So I'm so afraid that that thing is broken, and I dare not plug it in. Maybe it's for the best. I, I have the same thing with my PS3. I'm afraid to turn it on. Yeah. Oh, my PS3 works fine. I only just found out that the backwards compatibility is not does not work for PlayStation One if it's uh, if it's not like based on your region. So you can't play Japanese games on your PlayStation Three, which really really disappointed me because I wanted to play Rival Schools and I put it in and didn't recognize. For someone like you, I can't imagine that a pretty bummer. For someone like me, I wouldn't even try. I was like, dang it. Why? Because you can, like, because I have bought games off the Japanese PlayStation Store on my PlayStation 3. That works, but it doesn't work if you have a physical copy, and that is weird. It makes no sense. Whatever. Um, I think that's all the articles we have, right? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That was a lot of news. Um, so stick around, and we'll be right back with what we can play. And we're back with what we've been playing. So, Sean Templar, what have you been playing? My journey with Assassin's Creed Valhalla has finally come to an end. If I had a uh, Viking horn, I would be blowing it right now. <laughs> Maybe you can add one in post. Uh, after I, I only did the main quest and like a few side missions. But yeah. after 72 hours, I managed to finish the game. And I think I, I spent the whole month of January playing the game. And it's just insane how much um, how much content there is in the game. And um, I like the game. I have some, some certain uh, issues with the game, but not enough to ruin it. Um, I, I had this drag in the beginning in which it was really hard for me to get into it. And I would just constantly 
kept thinking, oh, I just don't feel like playing this game. But when I got over that initial point, I really started to like it. Um, Eivor is a really cool character. Um, it's it's cool to see that you have these different regions that you need to pledge to. And then it's basically the same that they did with Watch Dogs Legion. The game has arcs. And in Watch Dogs Legion, it was four-story arcs. And here it's uh, a couple because they have divided England into multiple regions. And every region is an arc. And then you have to go into that region and then hopefully gain the trust of that uh a region's re, uh, king or elderman or whatever. So he pledges to you and says, hey, if you ever need me because you help me, I will create an alliance with you and help you out. And it all ties in because in the end of the game, all those people show up for you and help you in the final battle. Um, it is pretty cool that um, in, in, in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, for example, you would constantly be able to pick up new weapons and you would constantly get new weapons. So eventually you, you wouldn't know what to use because you might get attached to one weapon, but you would find a weapon that's better from a stat point, but you actually don't, didn't want to use it because, you know, you like the way your previous weapon looked. And here it's, it's more like that the weapons you pick up, you don't find as much weapons, or at least I didn't find a lot, but there's a lot more upgrading to the weapon. So you have the kind of like with uh, RPGs that you have, uh, uh, uncommon, common, rare, ultra rare, you know, levels of, of uh, items. And here you can upgrade your weapons in two ways. You can upgrade them in, in a tier so that they just become stronger in that tier. And then when you reach the end of the tier, you can level it up to the next one. And then you just need some other materials to do that. Uh, and the last tier is mythical, I believe. Um, you start out, for example, with... Uh, with uh you can either use two-handed weapons but you have both hands you'd require both hands for those and uh, you can for example say you know what i'll just use a a two-handed axe it does more damage but it's slower to yield or you can say you know what i'll use a shield and an axe but there are some skills such as uh one that gives you the ability to to use a two-handed axe in one hand so in one hand, you can have a shield, and in the other, you can have the two-handed axe. A bit more cumbersome, but at the same time, really nice, because you can do a lot of damage, but you can also defend yourself with a shield, uh, which really helps out in the later encounters with the game. Um, the story is pretty cool. Um, there are multiple, because of the different arcs, the story has different paths. So there's like this main overarching story in which you move from Norway to England with your brother Sigurd and... Uh, an assassin who is from the Middle East called Basim, uh, who has been with Sigurd to all places over the world. Uh, and now they're kind of looking for this mythical, magical item. And that is one overarching story that you follow. And in between, you branch off because you need to have all these uh, alliances and, and people pledge to you. And then sometimes when you complete a region, you go back to the Sigurd arc, to put it that way, uh, and discover new things there. Um, the, the issue that I have with the game is that the game is so massive and I really mean so massive that, for example, the, the game that I played before this open world game was Ghost of Tsushima and that world is, is smaller, but feels more alive. You know, there's more to do, or, or at least it feels like there's more to do because you just travel and suddenly you see people walking around or you travel and you see a fox you can chase or it just feels, the world basically feels more alive. Whereas with uh, Assassin's Creed uh, Valhalla, they thought like, you know what? We'll just make it as big as we can. 
And then it is big. That's really nice. But it feels empty at the same time, even though there is a lot to do in the world. You know, you, you don't have that feeling of this world is alive. And that's a little a bit of a bummer because it's a missed opportunity. And the same goes for um, the, 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 the voice acting or the acting of the character. Sometimes it just feels so... I wouldn't say cringy, but um, a bit yeah, stiff or forced. Whereas in Ghost of Tsushima, it feels like the characters actually are alive and have far, far more emotions, like they're really believable characters. Whereas in, in Valhalla, sometimes I honestly forgot who a character was and I'm like, oh, I really couldn't care less right now. You know, and that's a bit of a shame because I would have preferred, I mean, past the Assassin's Creed games, I didn't have these issues with those, but it was past Assassin's Creed games would be centered around a city or maybe two or three cities that, that the whole story would revolve around that. And after uh, basically syndicate, they went into these worlds, you know, they built Egypt, they built Greece, they built Norway and England. And that's super cool and all, but I want denser worlds, not bigger worlds. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and yeah, I had a few issues with uh, with some. Like, I, I waited deliberately to before I bought the game because I wanted some patches to come out because I heard there were a few issues here and there. And even though I I bought mine in January, so that's almost like two months after the game came out, still I had some issues that certain quests quests would bug out or um, certain moments where characters would be talking but you wouldn't see their mouths moving. Um, I even had an encounter where both characters turned into a mute and I could only see the subtitles, but they would just look at each other really weird and you wouldn't hear anything and you wouldn't see their mouths move, but you would see the subtitles and they're like, oh, wow, this is really strange. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I had my fair share of crazy little bugs, um, but hey, I mean, that's probably part of a game this size. Um but yeah, that, that's it. And the, the the one thing that was a bit strange at the end is that there is no real credit scene or or end final cutscene. Yeah, you're not the only one who brought that up, and I'm like, yeah, I isn't it just a bug or is that really the feature? Well, I asked somebody who has the platinum for the game because I was in doubt, and he said, yeah, there's no really, there's not really like a, an ending ending in it. Um, so it felt really strange because you 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 expect it to happen and it doesn't happen. You're like, I'm missing out. I can't. For maybe your feeling says, I can't mark this one as completed because I didn't see the credits roll. You know, and it's it's strange. You don't have any like real closure. You feel. Yeah, I feel like yeah, I want closure. You know, I just want Valhalla to say to me like, you did well. Now it's time to move on to greener pastures. I didn't get that. Yeah. But so, yeah, yeah, I I still need to play that game, but um, there's a whole bunch of stuff that I still need to play. Well, I made a deal with myself, and it's working out pretty good so far. So basically, what happened is I found an app, and I've put in all the games from my backlog into that app that I want to play. So I so I told myself you have to finish one game before you can buy another one, and so far it's been working out pretty nice because it's actually saved me money. Because before I was playing Valhalla, I was playing Yakuza Kiwami 2. And I told myself, you can only buy Valhalla when you finish Kiwami 2, which I did. The funny thing is, is the day after I finished Kiwami 2, Valhalla was on sale. So that's kind of <laughs> like my reward for sticking to my agreement. 
And now um, I've, I've, I have like 28 games in the app that I've put in that I uh, want to play for my backlog. So I finished Valhalla. The next one up is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. I, I started playing that game in 2019, but I never finished it. So like when I finish that, I'll reward myself by maybe buying a new PS5 game like Immortals Phoenix Rising, for example, or maybe Hitman 3. And seeing as we're not getting a lot of games this year that we know of right now, I might actually be able to make a dent in my backlog, which would be really nice. That would be really nice. Yeah. And yeah, besides Valhalla, I've been playing a little bit of uh, Call of Duty Warzone. They've added uh, Rebirth Island, which is a far, far smaller island. So the matches are far more quicker. And um, actually, we've been able to win a lot of matches. Um, we've had a lot of Warzone victories. Uh, people that follow the Game Rivals account can sometimes see me post there that we have a Warzone victory. I'm super happy when it happens. Um, the, sometimes it's really frustrating because we, we often also get into the business that we're second or third. And sometimes it's a 1v1. I, had a, I have a regular group of friends I play with. And the last time, one of the times we were playing... It was a 1v1 with me and another guy, and he killed me. And they were like, no, it was only him, and we would win. You suck, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, sorry that I exist. I just want to, you know, vanish right now. Well, that's the nature of Battle Royale games, right? Uh, I guess so. Yeah. But yeah, that's basically what I've been playing. I'm off to play some Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, hopefully soon. So, whatever you've been playing. Uh, a bunch of stuff here and there, actually. Uh, I've uh, kind of hit a roadblock with uh, uh, near Automata. Where Is it I'm Automata or Automata? Because you you keep on saying it differently every episode. Yeah, I mean, it, I think you can say both, but I think it's Automata. Um, I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I'm just asking. It's difficult. It's difficult to pronounce near, near automata. Both. I think both work. I think both is fine. Uh, I've kind of hit a roadblock where the the part that I'm at is the final part, and I'm at this boss battle that's just insanely difficult. Uh, it's a cool. It's. I mean, it's a cool part because you learn a new like a new skill which you can use with a new character and it's a really cool one but it is it has its drawbacks and it basically leaves you vulnerable so i'm still working on that uh, but i took a little break from that to play uncharted oh huh? I knew it. I, I I specifically didn't tell you about this. I wanted to like see your expression on, on this. Which Uncharted? The first one. Wow. The Nathan Drake collection. Okay. Yeah. I'm surprised. Where did you find yeah. the game? Oh, so it was... I did collect it when it was on PlayStation Plus. It just didn't show up on the app because ah. the app shows two different versions of the Nathan Drake collection. Oh, that's so when I hit it up, it didn't show that I had it. I had to specifically select version, and then it showed that I had it. Okay, wow. Yeah, so I downloaded it to my PlayStation 4, um, booted it up. Uh, I don't know how far. I, I think I'm at parts. I, yeah, they called them parts, right? Not chapters. Uh, I think I'm at part six. Okay. So it's basically the part after you save um, 
what's the girl's name again? Elena. I'm, I'm still yeah, Elena. I'm still pretty new to the franchise. I'm, I apologize. Okay. But yeah, it's after you've saved Elena and you've had that jeep chase and you went over the cliff. Mm, okay. Yeah, yeah. What do you think so, so far? Hmm. I have to be honest. The Drake's. Yeah, sorry. Drake's fortune is maybe the the lesser of the one of the ones. Like I think two is like the best one because just, it just nails it on everything. And you, when you start playing two, you'll see like this. It, it, it almost feels like a generational leap. Like you went from a PS3 game to a PS4 game. Yeah, but does he kill a lot of people in two? Because he'll kill a lot of people in one. Yeah, but that's basically the, 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 the way the game works. You kill some people, you fix a puzzle, you explore an area, you kill some people, you fix a puzzle, you explore another area. Yeah, but I don't think I've done a lot of puzzles. Like, at, at least in the beginning, there were things that resemble a puzzle, and you do push some stuff around, and you kind of have to figure it out, but the game basically tells you because the characters tell you what to do. They do that in all games. In some game, in some of the games, they use books that have clues on how to do it. So, like, in, in yeah. 2, there are more, more, more puzzles. Uh, which breaks up the combat a bit more nice because I think that was one of the critiques of the first one that combat was so was so heavily focused on combat. Yeah, it's a lot of combat and like there are moments they put in pauses so that you can catch your breath, but then it's back to shooting. And I'm like, oh my goodness, I don't want to do more shooting. Yeah, don't you have anything else to offer? And then you finally get something that looks like a puzzle, and you do it, and you're like, oh thank goodness, it's something else. Yeah, you have to get to the first one. Yeah, if you get through uh, it, I think you'll yeah. like the second one. Yeah, I'll do my best. But uh, there was a moment. I'm at the the point where I am right now is with the with the jet ski. Okay. Oh, those are annoying. I hated those parts. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not happy because I died like a bunch of times because of those stupid bomb barrels. To be honest, when I think of it now, and that's funny that the way the Uncharted games are structured is that. You could play any Uncharted game without having played a previous Uncharted game. You'll just... The only benefit of playing all the Uncharted games in, in random order is that you just know a little bit more backstory. But they're built in such a way that you don't necessarily have to have played the previous one to be able to enjoy it to the fullest. So, Yeah. Oh, one more thing that I noticed is mostly about the graphics engine. At least for the first one, I don't know. I don't know. I think they refined the graphics engine from the second game onward. But the first game, you can really tell that they st that they were still transitioning into making realistic characters. Yeah. Because there are some facial and like most like motions that they do that is exaggerated that feels like it should have been something a bit more cartoony, and I feel like that is part of their jack and dexter uh that jack and dexter past you know yeah. they still had facial rigs that are based off of those games and i did was the first did they do motion cap for the first game i don't remember yeah they did motion capture for the first one and i think starting from the second one they also did performance capture there we go yeah i think they didn't because they didn't do performance capture for the first game the the characters have like really sometimes really goofy expressions yeah especially nathan yep <laughs> it's not bad it's just it kind of looks weird and out of place with what i've seen from like the later games so 
Yeah, but like, especially if you've seen footage of the PS4 version, you're like, oh, wow, you know? And then you go back to that. Yeah, because it highlights it, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So so that's one thing I've been playing. Another thing that I've been playing was also a PlayStation Plus game from last month, I want to say, because the month's over and there are new games on PlayStation Plus now. One of them is control the ultimate edition for both ps4 and ps5 it just came out kind yeah. of cheat, so they're kind of cheating there um but basically you're getting two games on playstation 4 and two games on playstation 5 um, yeah i downloaded control 5 uh, today for the five it just came out today yeah i'm kind of curious how that works because i've tried playing the cloud version on the switch um and it looks fine, but it has stuttering issues, and I'm not really sure why. Because I played it wired with a with a wired connection on my Switch, and it still stuttered sometimes. So that was weird. Hmm. And that was just playing the trial. Um, but yeah, the other thing that I played from PlayStation Plus was Just Cause Four. Oh, I saw that. Yeah, and I like Just Cause Four um, because I like Just Cause Two because I have that on the PC. And I played that a couple of months ago on um, uh, GeForce Now because it supports uh, uh, Steam Cloud. So my save transferred. Mm, Nice. Which is nice. Um, Yeah, you have to really be paying attention when you're playing stuff on GeForce Now. If the game does not support uh, Steam Cloud, don't play it on GeForce Now. It's not worth it. (laughs) <laughs> unless it, unless it's a game that doesn't rely on you know saves and like continuing from a point where you left off then don't but it this does and i played it and it's a lot of fun playing just cause because you have all these fun tools to play with like the tether and the magical parachute that allows you to parachute from wherever you're jumping from which is hilarious um and yeah like just cause 4 is more of that but prettier prettier um in the sense that you know higher polygons and at least the main character looks really good but all the supporting characters kind of look really off um and but that's also because that's not the focus the focus is causing a whole bunch of a whole bunch of mayhem uh while you're always trying been to liber- with those games yeah while you're trying to liberate a fictional south american uh nation but this time you're trying to get revenge for the death of your dad, but your dad made this super we- weapon that allows the villain to make change, literally change the weather, as in create thunderstorms and tornadoes and blizzards and whatnot. And you basically have to take down the weather, the we- the big meta weather machine, and you know take down the big bad. I but only the played part, uh, until three. I didn't play after those anymore. So I would totally recommend. F- I would okay, not totally. I would <laughs> recommend four if you don't mind the jank of the game because it it is a bit janky, um, and if you're just like causing mayhem and destruction. Yeah, if I heard you're, if you're, mixed stories about four. Yeah, it's not. That's why I retracted my totally and like. It's still a fun game. It's it just has some weird issues. But not game breaking issues. It's just the um, the game design of the game is not as good. Okay. But I think that's just a franchise thing because three also has really weird. Not three, sorry. Two had stuff that was really weird. I'm assuming three had stuff that was really weird 
in the in the game design department. So I think it's a franchise thing over than like technical stuff. So yeah, but uh, on the plus side, I uh, can pilot a jumbo jet <laughs> poorly in that game. Yeah, you can. Like the one of the crazy thing is that you get the like really early on in the game, you get the ability to call in drops of equipment, and you can unlock equipment as you unlock parts of the island. And one of those things is a jumbo jet. Like I also you can unlock get a drop for a jumbo jet. You get a drop from a jump for a jumbo jet. And the funny thing is, is they all come in the same thing. They all use like the shipping container. Oh man! So they drop a shipping container. The shipping container explodes, and then there's a 747. Oh my god! It sounds like uh, Saints Row. <laughs> yeah, that's so fun. It's like I'm like, okay, I'm in the I'm in the wilderness, and I want to get the plane. There's no way I can drop the plane. So I find this road, you know, running through the jungle, and I try to do the drop and it's showing me like this shipping container size box. I'm like, wait, this is the standard. I, I thought they changed depending on what you're summoning, but nope. It wow. drops it. The container stops and then poof, there's this big jumbo jet. I'm like, Oh, how am I going to fly this out of the jungle? Because it's on this really tiny strip of road. And yep. Sure enough. I tried to take off and I just crashed and it exploded. <laughs> Oh, and I died. That was like a lot of fun. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's it's crazy because you can, the, especially the thing that is the most fun is the tether because you can either use it as a grappling hook and then you can zip line quickly to from point A to point B, but you can also attach it to two different points and let it go and have different mods for it. So one is, for example, you can put up uh, um, a Fulton balloon and Fulton stuff like up either a little bit, a lot, or like infinitely, just let it keep going in the air. Um, and another is a booster where you can allow it to boost. So you can put like two of them on a vehicle, whatever vehicle you're driving, and then you activate the boost and it gives you like a boost power. Oh, nice. Which is really fun. But the funnest thing to do is to attach it to an enemy, attach it to a moving vehicle, and letting it go, and then it smacks into the vehicle. Oh, wow. <laughs> or having two vehicles snatch the deader and then chunk. Oh, wow. Or I... putting a bunch of them on it and then faulting them into the sky with a booster. I know that uh, in, I think it was in two or three, you had these uh, explosive barrels. But if you hit them in specific ways, they would fly in the air. So... I would sometimes tether a guy to one of those barrels and I would shoot a barrel and then it would just fly in the air like a rocket and then it would explode and then the guy would just fall down like a ragdoll. You could still do that. Oh, nice. But now you can do it with the big tankers. Oh, nice. So if you shoot the tankers long enough, they'll basically shoot in the direction that has the least amount of damage. So if you shoot one end, that basically becomes the exhaust and then it rockets ahead oh. or if it's a vertical or if it's a vertical standing um tanker you know the, the silos yeah that does the same thing oh, nice. so you can just better like a person or a car to it or multiple persons to one thing because it's huge and then watch them go it's like 
When I hear this, it reminds me of Mercenaries. I love those games. I wish they would bring them back. I think it's probably closer to Mercenaries than it is to Saints Row. Because it doesn't have the crass humor of Saints Row. Mm, But it does have that... um, it does have that mercenary slash um, red faction kind of vibe mm, to it. Nice. Yeah. So I played that, and then I played a bunch of demos. Um, one of them is Balan Wonderland. Never heard if, of it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a game by Square Enix and Yuji Naka. Um, this is the first game that is coming out that's under his new purview. Um as a new employee of Square Enix. And it's basically this musical meets Knights. Remember the Knights into Dreams uh, game that the Sega team made? Like back in the day on the Sega Saturn. I never had a Sega Saturn. (laughs) But at least you should have heard of Knights. Because Knights, next next to Sonic, Knights was a staple of the Sonic team. mascot franchise whatever you want to call it is it like knights as in knights as in the word knight uh that's still not any any... you do realize that doesn't say anything i mean it could still be a dude in shining armor but it could be one and knights could be plural no it's it's i said yeah knights spelled with an n okay um but it's like this Harlequin who flies around and like helps these two kids with their issues. I'm uh, looking at uh, some gameplay now. Yeah, like again, do not like the, if you're looking at Knights into Dreams, that's fine. Yeah, I'm but looking at that. Knights Journey Journey of Dreams, the Wii game that came out, is absolutely wretched. Um. That was the last Knights game that came out while people were asking for a new Knights game for years, and that's what they came with. It was atrocious. It's, to this day, the only other Wii game that I sold because it was just that bad. The only other game that I sold on the Wii was um, the Wii version of Scarface, but that's because it has a weird motion control issue. Okay. Yeah, which really disappointed me because I really like playing Scarface, The World is Yours. Oh, that game was awesome. I that loved game was that awesome. game on PS2. Not the Wii version. It started off great, but for some reason, after a while, it got the, the motion controls was really buggy. And uh, I really hated that some developers do this. But they don't really fully utilize the motion control, right? So the thing that they did with the motion control is if you shake the either the Wiimote or the nunchuck, um, uh, Tony Montana would do a quip and then <laughs> shake his gun okay. and walk really slow. So for at a certain point, he just kept doing that. Uh, I think and no matter how many <laughs> and no matter how many times I restarted the game, it'll start normally. Then you start doing the quips and you can't play the game anymore. <laughs> so I was like, you know what? I'm done. So I sold that game because it was broken. And the same thing with Knights. It's the only other Wii game that I ever sold because I never sell my games unless, you know, I'm buying a console or anything. Um, still regret selling my original copy of F-Zero GX, but I bought a new one like years later, but still. Um... So yeah, like Knight's Journey Journey of Dreams on Wii, terrible. 
Battle of Wonderland, the demo, also terrible. So if you are hoping for a spiritual successor to Knights, play the demo before you decide to buy the game because like even like even um uh Super Nintendo that we had on the on the on the podcast last week, he played the demo as well and he was also very disappointed at how bad the demo was. And if the demo is this bad, then I can't even imagine how bad the full game is going to be. Oh, man. And that's really disappointing. And it's not like Yuji Naka is a bad game developer or a bad game designer. It's just that this very particular kind of game doesn't work. And I don't know why that is. Because at least in theory, it should be at least fun, but it's not. I honestly don't know, man. I, mean, I haven't played the game, so I can't answer. The demo, the demo is also on PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5, so if you're curious, I'd, I'd at least say check it out. But, yeah, I wouldn't recommend buying it, at least. Um, outside of that, the only other demo that I played was the demo for Phoenix, uh, Immor- uh, Immortal Phoenix Rising. Uh, I assumed that it was a different demo than the one that they released on St- uh, Stadia, but it's literally the same demo that they released on Stadia. So I played it for a couple of minutes, and um, yeah, it, basically the same game. The only difference is I played it on GeForce Now, which allowed me to play it on Ultra, and the game looks really pretty on Ultra 1080p. So, you know, it's got that going for it. Uh, the demo is also available on other platforms so if you have an xbox if you have a playstation if you have a switch you can download the demo if you're still on the face with immortals phoenix rising try the demo honestly i don't think you i thought i don't think you would go wrong with that game um but if you're still on the fence try the demo and you know figure it out for yourself I totally recommend getting it. I'm still on the fence on whether I'm going to get it fully or if I'm just going to play it through um, Ubisoft Connect. Uh, I think I'm going to do it through Ubisoft Connect because then it would allow me to also play um, Valhalla and Watch Dogs Legion. And I think that... Oh, no. I also started playing Breath of the Wild again. (laughs) Because uh, one of our mutual friends... um, started playing uh, Breath of the Wild for the first time and I've been helping him out and I've been having to really reach into the recesses of my memories to remember, oh, right, this is is how this part goes and this is what you have to pay attention to. So I've been giving him tips and tricks and basically telling him what he can do. Um, For example, I told him about shield surfing and he did not know that shield surfing was a thing yet oh that's because so cool he hadn't he hadn't found a character that teaches you about shield surfing so i taught him how to do shield surfing he's like mind blown and like so cool to see and i was like you know what i want to play breath of the wild again so i booted up my um master mode save file which is basically brutal mode because you only have um, you start with three hearts and the enemies HP respawns and they're a lot stronger. So I've been mostly moseying around. I haven't tried getting a divine beast yet because I'm just afraid of facing 
the bosses. I'm just, I'm just afraid. And in, uh, in the hard mode. Yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll still do that, but I also still have Astral Chain to finish. So uh, I think I'm going to focus on Astral Chain and Nier Automata because I have a new rule for myself. Before I move on to any game in a significant way, um, finish the games that you're starting on each platform. So I cheated a little bit by playing Nate, by, by playing Uncharted. Um, but at the same time, I feel that Uncharted is probably a relatively short game compared to Nier, Nier Automata. Um, but I do need to finish Nier Automata so I can move on to the next PlayStation game, which would probably be, then be um, the second uh, uh, Uncharted game by that point. And for for the Nintendo Switch, when I finish um, uh, Astral Chain, I might actually pick up um, Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury because if you've seen the tra- if you haven't seen the trailer for Bowser's Fury, go check out the trailer for Bowser's Fury. It looks really awesome. This is like the one of the coolest looking versions of Bowser that I've ever seen. Because he looks really badass and really metal. Um, and the gameplay itself looks also really different from what 3D World is. Because that's it looks way more open world like Odyssey. And now I kind of feel like I want to play Odyssey again. <laughs> but I must refrain myself from playing Odyssey again. Because I still have a bunch of games that I need to play. Don't we all? Yeah. Um, I don't know if... if uh, I did make a dent in my in my backlog last year. I hope that trend will continue to follow through because there are a lot of games that are about to come out and it's not even, and we don't even know what's coming out beyond summer. So hang on to your butts and uh, let's hope uh, our wallets will not have to cry so much this year. Um, at and this rate, not because a lot of games are being pushed. Ooh, yeah, that's also a thing. I really hope they don't push them all to January of next year because that would be really bad. Nah, they won't. I hope not. (laughs) But that's basically it. That's all the games that I've played and that's all the games that are fit to play. Nice. I think uh, with that, we've come to an end of another episode of Game Rivals. Yeah, will you do us the honors? I will uh, try. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we really appreciate your support and we really have a lot of fun doing these episodes. Um, it's also great to hear your feedback. I know that a lot of people were really positive with the about the episode we did with the Super Nintendo last time, which was a really nice episode. Uh, a lot of fun in recording that one. And we, we ha- we're not going to stop with the collaborations and the guests. So uh, we have a few more lined up in the coming weeks. So definitely do stick around to see uh, more guest appearances. Um, you can always find us on uh, on all major podcasting platforms. We're available on Apple Podcast, Anchor, Spotify, Google, Overcast, whatever cast. We're there. Uh, <laughs> uh, you can leave us an Anchor voice message. It's uh, You can do that through either the link in the description or the Anchor app. You don't have to make an account for it. If you do, you might be featured as a game rival. Um, you can reach out to us through gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can... Tweet at us at game underscore rivals underscore. 
You can tweet at Maximilian, at Maximilian. Um, you can find us on Instagram, which is at GameRivals. I'm mostly there. You can also find the awesome Maximilian on Instagram with the at Maximilian underscore X. Do check it out. He did a really cool post around some Nintendo soundtracks. This today, I saw some really cool art books and some CDs that really, really look cool. It was part of something called Club Nintendo, I believe. Ah, rest in peace, Club Nintendo. Yeah, it looked really my, cool. My, Ninten- my Nintendo cannot hold a candle to what they did with Club Nintendo stuff. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. And then um, I think that's that's basically it, right? Yeah, that's it. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, we we check we we check our stats uh, with every episode, and we see more and more people not only listening to new episodes, but also redis uh, or just not rediscovering, but discovering the podcast and listening to our backlog, which makes us really happy and also kind of terrifies us because our first year was so kind of cringy and so stadia bashy, but. People seem to still like it despite that fact, and I'm really grateful for that. So thank you, guys. Please continue to spread the word. Um, And, yeah, I I guess that's it. That's it. And on that note, I have been and always will be Sean Templer. And I have been and always will be Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later. Later.